Hi, it's Jean Nathan. It's Crosstown Conversations this week as we approach the crescendo of our Mardi Gras season. And we are so thrilled to be welcoming back our house floats. We knew last year it was so successful that we knew it was going to be forever, right? And Megan Boudreaux, who is the idea girl behind this, who made it happen, who is working to continue it, is on with us today. And she's going to give us a scoop on this year's house floats in the city of New Orleans. Megan, what's going on? Oh, a lot right now. We just uh, we just launched our 2022 house floats map. So we're really this season has begun. The decorations are up and uh, weather permitting. Uh, it's a little rainy right now, but uh, yeah, house floats are, are full gear right now. <laughs> so, so tell me how this works, because um, I mean, I think we all anticipate it pretty much. Uh, I, I know we were all anticipating it would come back again this year. Um, how, how do people get involved? Um, uh, what's behind the thinking of so many people who want to do it? And I think you have at least, what, about a thousand houses that uh, are involved uh, so far? That's, that's, my, that's my current estimate. Um, it's always a little bit of a moving target because we, you know, we always get some folks who uh, come in late or some folks who realize that they aren't going to be able to decorate and, and ask to be taken, up, taken off. But um, so it's, it's always a little bit of a moving target. Um, but yes, I think we have approximately a thousand house floats and that's including folks who aren't even in Louisiana. Um, we've, got, yeah. we've got a very strong uh, expat sub crew um, and I've Wait, seen- Wait, who do the house floats in their towns where they are now? Yes, ma'am. Uh, oh, that's great. You <laughs> mean to tell me we're becoming international. We are absolutely international. I have photos of house floats in uh, Doha, Qatar. Um, wow. we've, we've got uh, a participant second year in a row in Abu Dhabi. Um, I've seen several house floats in the snow in Michigan and Ohio. And uh, you have to send me, you have to send me some of these pictures. <laughs> I want to uh, post them in our newsletter. So so give me um, give me kind of a a series of pictures of the kind of things people are doing. And I mean every house is different totally different characteristics. And I'm going to talk to you about mine, which is really different. But um, I, I'd love to hear um, your description of some of the strategies that people have for decorating their houses. Sure. sure. I mean, we really, um, we really try to encourage people to uh, join up, you know, and participate at whatever, you know, their bandwidth for participation might be. So, I mean, um, once again, we remain a free crew to join. Um, we really want to make it accessible to as many people as possible. Um, and then from there, you know, it could be as simple as you've, you know, you've got your Mardi Gras wreath up and your lights, um, and it could be as elaborate as hiring an artist to put up, you know, a whole installation on your house that looks like a traditional Mardi Gras float or a piece of art. They really are incredible. Um, the ideas that people come up with and that the artists they come to life. I mean, I just saw a couple that went up um, by Stronghold Studios um, that they've got these beautiful like songbirds that are just covering this house. <laughs> um, and then it's right next there's, door to a house. There. Um, the, there, that, there's, there's actually two houses next door to each other on St. Charles and uh, Fourth. Um, 
the that's the songbirds and uh, the luna moths. Um, and I mean, they're just, I mean, they just take up the whole front facade of these houses and it's, it's it. beautiful. Love it. Want to see that. Um, and then, of course, there's everything in between. <laughs> right, so um, some of the other ones that are, let's uh, let's say, where's one that's just com completely wild? Um, well, I'm still kind of, I'm still um, gathering what's what, but I've seen, um, you know, folks who have done, um, like, a, there's somebody in Aldrich Point who's done, like, Party Like It's 1979, and they've painted uh, a VW bus and they've got it all like psychedelic um and then um but where's that address oh that is approximately i don't know that one off the top of my head <laughs> i can't there's so many i can't keep i know I, I don't I'm, I'm really not being fair to you i, I know um, but i can't no. because i want to go see them um i mean i'm doing um i'm doing my art we're doing our house load as um shrimp po boy um and <laughs> so we've got the the bread at the top and you know the you know so the, the top of the porch is the top of the loaf and the porch railing is the bottom of the loaf and then all the condiments and everything in between um so and then you know some people really go um uh some people have actually taken their their idea last year um uh, and expanded on them uh, there's the Queen of Bounce House, uh, the Audubon Riverside uh, sub crew, um, and people. Oh, that's my internet connection that's getting a little fuzzy. Yeah, you were you were. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> I say my Wi-Fi may not be the best today. Um, the, the Queen of Bounce House, uh, folks may recognize from last year. Um, the owner had a big. Um, uh, bigger than life uh, painting of Big Frida. Um, and then she had like her twerking grannies in the front yard and she's actually put up Big Frida again. And now it's Big Frida saves the world. And it's Big Frida with a, like a vaccine needle killing coronavirus. <laughs> so Where is that one? That is, that's, in, that's in the Audubon Riverside uh, neighborhood in town. Um, I think we just lost you a little bit on the audio. Say it a little louder. She that, that the Queen of Bounce House is in the Audubon Riverside part of town. Uh, again, exact addresses. Well, the map is going to be uh, your map is going to be ready. So, how are people going to access the map? That sounds like what we need to do. Yes, the map the map is up. It's on our website, uh, crewofhousefloats.org/map. Um, and so that is where um maps plural or map singular map singular okay mm -hmm. um so people can go to our website and uh, use the map to um you know if you have a specific if you're looking for the queen of bounce house you can go and search for queen of bounce and it will show you that house uh you can highlight um what subcrew you want to you want to see and it'll zoom into your to what subcrew you want to you want to check out and you can click on uh all the little house float locations um you know we're continuing to update it as members send us photos and information about their house floats um so uh, you'll be able to see the addresses and some folks it's like i said some folks have sent us photos or they've sent us um you know their 
they've named their house float and, and you know, send us information about their theme. So uh, we try to put all that in there as people send it to us uh, so that uh, folks can find what they're looking for. When you first saw this, did you have any idea that this would explode the way it has? No, I mean, I went from, uh, you know, making a joke on Twitter, you know, starting starting a Facebook group for a few friends of mine to being on meetings with the mayor's office within two weeks. Wow. And having <laughs> like 8,000 people in my Facebook group. <laughs> what? Um, now, it's, now I think it's 15, like it's just crazy. Um, so yeah, it really like from when I opened my big mouth on the internet on November 17th, 2020 to uh, Mardi Gras 2021 was just such a like wild rocket ship that you just kind of had to hold on and go with it. <laughs> um, and, you know, th things are a little calmer these days, but um, now that we've kind of been around the block uh, once or twice and, uh, but it is still pretty amazing to drive around town and randomly run across a house float. And those people don't know me, <laughs> you know, like, I can't believe you came along with me on this, <laughs> on this adventure um, and, and, and went to the trouble of doing this just because you know, just because I said something, you know, that's pretty cool. Um, so how do you see this going forward? What, what is, uh, do you have uh, other ideas or future development of it? Or are you, I mean, we're just happy that they're all out there and, <laughs> and, and we don't need anything else. I'm not saying that you need to do anything else, but um, I can't help, uh, uh, you know, being in the nonprofit arts business, of course, we're all starving for money all the time. So I'm trying to think, oh, is there a way to turn this into some kind of massive fundraising opportunity I mean, for arts uh, organizations? We, I mean, last year, um, we raised $30,000 um, and um, we were really focused, you know, just on like emergency you know, pandemic relief. So uh, half of that went to Grace at the Green Light for their programs um, with uh, homeless folks. And half of it went to Culture Aid NOLA, who since the beginning of the pandemic have been doing uh, free um, grocery distributions twice a week. Um, we really wanted to, you know, make sure we were supporting people where they needed it most. What about um, the and this year, um, this year we're we're trying to up our goal here. We want to we want to see if we can hit fifty thousand this year. Uh, but we remain like we really remain dedicated to uh, using those funds to support support local nonprofits who are supporting New Orleans culture bearers. So I think that will continue to be Culture Aid NOLA. I mean, even though I think it's some folk, you know, we got parades back and it's starting to maybe feel like there might be a return to some sort of normal life. Um, <laughs> hopefully, um, you know, the effects of the pandemic, the effects of Hurricane Ida, you know, they're still there. I think um, the, um, yeah, I think the main question now is how we can um, uh, look at the longer term issue of trying to develop new sources of funding and investment 
for uh, various arts organizations and artists themselves, practitioners. Um, uh, it, it's something uh, my organization, the Creative Alliance of New Worlds, is working on a strategic plan right now, and we're looking for what are the what are the alternative sources um, of funding right. that we can get because we're just not getting you know the the city just doesn't have the resources to. Um, right. develop the funding that I see in many other cities of actual, uh, actually similar size and, and capacity, but um, it's it's uh, just a little bit harder here because we have so much poverty, really, when you come right down to it. And not, well, um, and know, I mean, I think we've figured, we've, we've realized that a lot of the strength of this crew is actually in the expats, um, because mm -hmm. we've, like I said, this is not just New Orleans, we remain like, you know, coronavirus, no coronavirus, you know, you can still decorate your house, even if you're in Ohio, um, you know, you can still have Mardi Gras wherever you happen to live now, even if that's not New Orleans anymore. Um, and those folks, those folks have, I mean, they are really super enthusiastic and super supportive, and they really want to send money home. Like they want to um, support New Orleans businesses. They want to support New Orleans artists. They want, you know, they really want to uh, give back where they can. And um, I mean, I think that's really a strength of having a Mardi Gras crew that can be, yeah. you know, doesn't have the borders of New Orleans. <laughs> no, I love that. I think that's really fantastic. And um, I mean, I really think the potential of it is huge long term. The more you reach out to those expats um, and actually just, uh, you know, alumni in the city, in a sense, you know, people who um, maybe are not uh, struggling so much anymore and are in a position to help to, to, to really just um, rake it in, so to speak. <laughs> We're trying. Um, those opportunities. <laughs> but um, I really, uh, I, I just, I love this. I mean, everybody loves it. I think what, what I love most about it is that you are um, really uh, enlivening all our neighborhoods. And that's something I think is really important because um, we need to attract people into our neighborhoods and not have everybody crush Bourbon Street and, and um, you know, the CBD and, and the French Quarter where we just have really too many visitors and, and, and make sure people understand um, all of the different cultures throughout the city. So that's, that's really what uh, excites me is, is the way you're pulling people out into all the neighborhoods. It's just, it's just a great, 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 great thing. I can't say enough great about it and it sounds like you know it, it sounds like in a way organizationally although i'm sure it's a challenge for you because i don't know what else you do for a living but um it's it's relatively simple in the sense of you know signing people up getting them on the map which by the way i would like to make a personal pitch here i this is not your classic you know i don't have songbirds all over the house but we just have a great big thousand pound marlin um acrylic you know, uh, model based on the, um, hold on a second, uh, based on the um, Marlin that a woman named Linda Kerner uh, 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 caught in the Gulf, mm -hmm. um, hanging from our balcony. So we sort of say our house is afloat. And uh, my husband has often said that when we hang this fish up there, it's all about, it's painted gold, by the way, but, um, uh, it's all about the fact that someday there may be fish swimming right 
on Esplanade <laughs> Avenue, the rate we're going with climate change. So it has a, a double entendre. But um, we're at 2326 Esplanade for anybody listening, come by and see the Marlin. But um, I'd love to get on the map if it isn't too late. Uh, if, if you do have a few people who can't make it and we can slip in there, um, we'd love to. And I'll, I can send you a couple of photographs and then you can <laughs> use them or not. That's up to you. Well, look, um, congratulations on this. And thank you, thank you, thank you on behalf of the city. We just love it and um, keep it going. And uh, anytime you need some, a little extra push or getting the word out on something, uh, please don't hesitate to call us. I appreciate that. Thanks. All right. <laughs> congratulations on this year and more. And um, again, thank you very, very much for your time and your yeah. commitment to this. I think it's a wonderful thing. Thank you. All right, Bye. Megan Boudreaux. <laughs> High five. Okay. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Um, so we've been talking with uh, Megan who uh, Boudreaux, who is the founder of this incredibly wonderful program we all love that has brought Mardi Gras to every block in the city and now has 1,000... Uh, has now has 1,000, uh, I'm going to have to repeat it because uh, I just had a, a stupid thing that interjected. I can't believe I'm having so many technical issues today. So let me just start again. Three, two, one, take two. So we've been talking with uh, Megan Boudreaux, who is the founder of this fabulous thing called House Floats that has brought Mardi Gras to every block in the city and um, displays the creativity of all of us and not just a few. And um, we love this program. And Maurice Ruffin is uh, the Grand Marshal this year. And um, I, I, Maurice, I'm gonna guess is your first Grand Marshal experience. I don't know. It probably is my first one, yes. Right. And um, I, I wanna know how you got involved and, um, and what you think about the program and being the Grand Marshal? Well, they reached out to me. Um, I was actually um, out of town last year when they, when they did this the first time. And I was amazed at the beauty of seeing these houses all across the city of New Orleans decorated like floats. And I'm sure I was tweeting about it. So I, I have a pretty big Twitter following. Um, and lo and behold, uh, they asked me to do it this year. And I was... Uh, and I still am honored to be a part of this. I think it is one of the most fantastic innovations in the history of New Orleans, in the history of our carnival. And to see this Mardi Gras uh, spirit being uh, growing and spreading in new ways, is really exciting to be a part of it. And, and you're a creative uh, person yourself. So um, I'm sure that's why in part this resonated with you, even though you're not a visual artist. From what I understand, you are a writer and a creative in general, because the thing that I keep trying to remind everybody in everything I do is that creatives are not one dimensional. They are not necessarily just visual, just performing, just literary, just theatrical and so on. They, they, they're multidisciplinary. How about you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so when I was younger, I could draw somewhat and I could sing somewhat, but at this point I'm down to um, pretty much being a writer. <laughs> But I do appreciate the arts, and I, I love to see uh, arts throughout the community. And you know, New Orleans is a special place because so many of us have such a variety of artistic talents that we can bring to bear because of Mardi Gras or during Halloween or in other times of the year. And so, uh, Megan and the rest of the people in, in the crew of uh, House Floats are all really bringing that spirit forward. 
and uh, I just enjoy being a part of it. Well, so what are, what are your responsibilities? <laughs> I don't know what a grand marshal does, quite frankly, and you probably <laughs> didn't know either until you got yourself roped into it. So um, uh, what, what is being a grand marshal, especially for something so innovative and, and new and, and so in, in, inclusive and engaging of people, what does it mean for you to be the grand marshal of this effort? Well, um, a big part of it is being an ambassador to the crew of house floats. Um, also, I am the keeper of the scepter. I can actually show you this. This is my uh, <laughs> great, my beautiful staff that uh, the president. Uh, oh my God, that's great! I love that. Isn't this wonderful? I mean, it's so much I fun. love that. Do you know who designed it? It was Megan Boudreau. She entirely she handmade. did it herself. Yes, I love it. It's beautiful. And so, you know, my job, just like uh, Big Freedom before me, is to uh, spread joy and uh, uh, be an ambassador for the city of New Orleans and for all of the people of New Orleans and to make sure that we're all having a good time. And so uh, that, that's my duty. I can't think of anything I'd rather do in life. My, my only, I have a, a personal dream because my name is um, Jeanne, is how you really pronounce it in French, J-E-A-N-N-E. So... And I am something of a fighter. Um, and so I've always imagined that I should someday uh, be Joan of Arc in, in the Joan of Arc parade, but I'm not active. So it'll probably never happen. But um, I understand uh, the special role of being an ambassador for a Mardi Gras initiative. Um, but I wanna know more about your creative work and your writing. So um, let, let's uh, touch on that because um, it, it's, it's just amazing. As you said, we are a very uniquely creative city. There's so many people who are involved in creative disciplines. If we ever had the money to do the true door-to-door -door count, the census of people involved in creative activity, I know it'd be huge. I once did a little sample survey in just a, a few blocks in Treme. And I deliberately picture May over, say, Bywater, because I know every other house in Bywater is an artist. But we have a lot of artists in Tremay, but not exclusively. So I said, let's try that. 50% of the 100 households that we went to had somebody in it who was involved in a creative um, a trade or enterprise or pursuit or uh, you know merchandise that they were selling, whatever. So yeah, we are incredibly creative. How did you come to be involved with a creative activity and specifically writing? Well, I think being from New Orleans, it's hard to not be a creative person. And I think that people who come to live in New Orleans from other places are attracted to that creative spirit. Um, for me, uh, living in the city my, my whole life, um, it's hard not to think literally. So I, I'm a creative writer, so I write books. And it's just so many stories in New Orleans. There's a great history of stories. There's the present stories, the future stories. And so it just was natural to me to try and develop my skill set, to take writing classes in school and to write my own stories and send them out. And so, um, so I've written a couple of books. In fact, I think I have something over here. So these are my two books. Um, this is my first one, We Cast a Shadow, which is set in the future New Orleans. And this is my book that came out last year. The Once in the City Love You. And this book is about um, a variety of New Orleanians um, in the present day. And there's a few historical stories also that I wrote. And just trying to, like you said, uh, tap into that creative spirit. Many of the characters have the ability to sing or play music or dance or, or make uh, fashion. 
and um, and it, it's almost easy. It's, it's like it's like you're fishing and the fish are jumping in your boat. There's so many wonderful stories in our city, and so I like to be able to tell the stories as accurately as possible. So 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 those those stories are nonfiction or they're fiction no. or, or well, uh, so this is these are fictional stories. These are short stories. Yes. Mm -hmm. But but based on your experience with creativity on your own uh, behalf and, and uh, with others. Yes. Who influenced you as a younger person? Uh, who supported you going in the creative direction? Because there's always somebody back there who mentored um, us in one way or another. Well, first and foremost, my parents, uh, but especially my mother and also my grandmother, who um, bought me a lot of books growing up, everything from classics by Toni Morrison, to comic books and graphic novels. Um, I had great teachers in school. People sometimes would look down upon the New Orleans uh, public school system, but I had wonderful teachers throughout my, 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 my life. Um, people like W.D. Harris and Jim Randles and, and Miss Cavanaugh and other people who just gave, they really fed into my love for reading. So I would read, you know, a dozen books in a given year just because I loved it. Um, um, and then, you know, meeting writers around town and meeting people who are involved in the arts people are just so supportive there's no better place to be a creative person than new orleans and so this whole system has been very supportive to me personally i'm trying to give i try to give back myself as much as i can i you know i don't think anybody would disagree with what you just said yet on the other hand um in general new orleans is not the easiest place to make a living and to prosper so uh whereas i think it was Art Neville that is credited with having uh, created the expression, the big easy. And my husband teasingly always says, I don't know, it's a little bit more like the little difficult. <laughs> so it's both sides, we know it's both sides, but um, uh, you know, how, how has your path been? And what is your experience with other creatives and how would you sum up? And I'm asking you these questions in part because I'm working on a, a strategic plan for boosting the creative sector of the city. So I really want to hear your thoughts on what makes it easier for you and what makes it harder for you and others in, in, in the creative fields. Yeah, I, I, look, I think that uh, your husband's right that we have kind of too much and too little of a good thing. What I mean is that we probably have more musicians per capita than any other American city. And certainly for our size, we have just so many. So that means it's a saturated market. Then. We do have issues with poverty and um, people don't have a lot of money to throw around, like say in New York, for example, or in San Francisco. So I just think that we, we need to somehow find ways to channel our resources into education so that our young people can, you know, learn how to read and write and do math. And then beyond that, you know, I think that I've actually seen some pretty good initiatives from the city in particular, supporting artists um, in the pandemic. I want to see more of those kinds of things because people who make the music and make the costumes shouldn't be struggling um, in a city that, that thrives and, and, and is built upon that foundation. So whatever we can do to make sure that these people are being supported, myself included, uh, um, I wanna see it because if there's no us, that spirit disappears and New Orleans becomes a very, uh, very plain place. Um, in your grand marshal role, how, uh, how do you see that as an opportunity uh, again, as you said, to be an ambassador for our creativity. Uh, I'm assuming when you say you're going to be the ambassador for the city and for 
uh, house floats that are implicit in that is um, being an ambassador for our creative, our creatives and our creative community. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, the thing about Mardi Gras that's so wonderful is that I think the best of Mardi Gras is for everybody. It's egalitarian. And the crew of house floats is a big part of that. You know, if you're not part of some crew and, or you can't afford to do something like, you know, be a part of one of the big clubs, maybe you can put up your decorations on your house. You know, you do it for Christmas, maybe do it for Halloween. But that's a part of that. And in terms of like being the ambassador for creative people, you know, again, we're all one big community. Almost everybody here has some creative skill that they can deploy. And so being one of the representatives of that makes me feel really uh, proud. And so I'll do my best. Where do you live? What part of town? Uptown. 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 You're an uptown boy. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and I, I always say that I get a nosebleed above Canal Street. Um, <laughs> you sound like Nature's J. Raleigh from uh, Confessor of Nonsense. We're so committed to our own neighborhoods, right? It's true. I grew up in New Orleans East, you know, which is its own special place. And I often miss it, but every neighborhood is so unique. And I love the different sort of feelings of each neighborhood. What was it about uh, New Orleans East that was special to you? And um, I, I'm drilling down to this neighborhood thing. And that's, again, what this, the houses are all about is, is um, uh, our, our commitments to our neighborhood. So what was it that, was so, that you would describe as unique to New Orleans East? And what is it that's unique to Uptown? Uh, I, I lie when I say I get those, but of course I go uptown. I have friends uptown. And so I visit my friends and we go to restaurants uptown sometimes. But I do hang basically in Tremaine because my house is on Esplanade and I've been here since uh, I moved to New Orleans in 1973, been in wow. the same house, yeah. Well, when New Orleans East, you know, I, I grew up out there and my friend Sarah Broom wrote a book that very much gives you the history of it. And I think she was totally accurate in, in her book, it's uh, a yellow house. And right. it, it's one of the biggest neighborhoods in the entire state. It's actually, you know, almost as big as the rest of New Orleans itself. Um, and so because I grew up in this area where we had everything that we needed, we had a bowling alley, we had a shopping center, we had the lakefront, we had all these parks, we had all these great schools, we had hospitals. And we lost some of that over time because of Katrina and other economic issues, but that spirit is still there. And so I just had this feeling of being from a place that's not spoken about very much, but has a great community. Um, uptown, you know, it's kind of a, it's a, it's a thriving area. Um, it's very re residential. It's kind of old school and slow paced. Um, but you know, between jogging up St. Charles with streetcars or going off in the park and hanging out there for a while and you know, catching some, some fresh air or the universities, I went to Loyola Law School. It's such a pretty area and it's such a rela relaxing area. So I love them both. Wait, okay, let me go back up there for just a minute. You know I'm gonna ask you, you went to law school? I went to, yeah, I'm a lawyer, uh, the class of 2003. Um, I've done quite a few different things in my life. Okay, so how do we mix, how do we mesh the legal part of your brain with the creative writer part of your brain and the grand marshal part of your brain? Uh, okay, I I'm ready. I think that lawyers in a strange way are like our society's Swiss army knives. You have the ability to see things from different angles and you can be useful in different situations. And so I, for me, being a lawyer, you know, I was already a creative person, but I think being a lawyer helped me sort of settle down and be more effective. And so whether I'm being the grand marshal or trying to write my next book, I can sort of focus and bear down and, and, and do a, a pretty good job. Fantastic. 
So um, what advice would you have for other young uh, creatives in town who are struggling with how to build um, their creative careers? Reach out. There are so many great mentors. Um, obviously, there are you know, a few things that make being an artist in New Orleans a struggle, but there's also a lot of resources we have that nobody else has. The community is so tight-knit. There's such a variety of people with so many different skills. I mean, even our musicians can also dance really well. Even our painters can also make you know, fashion really well. And so you won't find such a tight-knit, talented community really anywhere else and such a great history of fantastic artists throughout time that you can sort of use as your own uh, source of power. And so use that to keep your, you know, keep the wind in your sails and find your voice and, and you'll be fine. It's hard, it's hard not to end at that point. That's, that's a perfect end point. But I have one last question. Um, are you decorating your house? So my house, for different reasons, not being too decorated. We're putting, I think, the flag on it, but we're, we're doing some repairs too. So a part of my job as the Grand Marshal is to get around town and visit the houses of many of the people who've made their houses, you know, decorated. So there's a thousand houses. I feel like Santa Claus has quite a few people to try and catch up to, but I'll be doing that, I think, starting next week. They'll give me my schedule pretty soon. And so you'll see me maybe in a, in a convertible, you know, with an open top riding around town, waving with my scepter and, and uh, reading all the various uh, people who are involved in the crew. Sounds like you might need Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer to guide you down the streets. Um, I, I hope you have an absolute ball uh, doing what you're doing. Um, I would appreciate very much if you would stay in touch and maybe a little further down the line or maybe right after Mardi Gras, report back to me on your experiences. Take a lot of pictures. So we have pictures that we can put in our uh, newsletters and and uh, share your sites that you see everywhere. And I, I just help you have a wonderful rain, I think is the word, R-E-I-G-N, not the stuff that's falling today on this dreary day, but um, I don't think we feel dreary because we are in the middle of carnival season. And I often say I'm from New York originally, and this, my favorite day of the year is January 6th because I know on January 6th that my former friends and family in New York are suffering the beginning of the dreary, cold, horrible weather up there. And down here, it's carnival. So I that feel privileged. Well, thank, thank you, you so much. Happy Mardi Gras. Give me some time and have a ball. And uh, I'm, I'm serious about it. send me those pictures. Okay, you have my email. Will do. Morris uh, Rufin, um, creative writer, lawyer, grand marshal for the crew of House Parades of New Orleans. Thank you so much. Um, Manny King is part of a very special village of people that have found a home on uh, a little triangular park that has had some official name change lately, but the unofficial name that the neighborhood uses and the guys who hang out there every day is the island or at least that's how I've heard it. And um, I'm thrilled to be talking with Manny because he started a kind of, you know, little street setup of fruit that he served there for many years. And now he is graduating to an indoor space in that very beautiful um, building that used to be a garage. I remember when it was a garage that it now is the home to Leo's Bakery, which is, oh my goodness, the Quest sells there. Um, and now Maddie's fruit, right next to it. 
So um, this is a big move. I want to I want to hear about. Appreciate. Um, you move the the move, but and then we'll go backtrack a little bit to how you got started in the beginning and what stimulated you to to um, uh, open up uh, your your small business originally in that uh, space. So okay, first of all, tell me about the new opening. Oh, uh, the new opening has pretty much it was so time timely, but um, it's this weekend on the fifth. We pretty much looking at it as more of a space blessing. So, you know, we have a couple folks, um, musicians, healers, and different folks coming to help us bless the space, bring it in, um, just to get it, you know, by your role ready. <laughs> so, um, Are you ready? yeah, we, we definitely went in there and, um, like you said, it was a garage. So it started with a blueprint. We drew our blueprint out and just went to work on it. So now, um, yeah, I'm pretty sure people would be real pleased once they see it and see what we turned it into. So give me a little, um, give me a little, you know, just a little Let's hint see. what it's gonna be like. Um, right now, I know the, the main talk that we've been having is to make it fully automated, um, just to yeah, keep up with the times that everything else is switching into. So um, we're gonna be taking, crypto real soon too so like we're gonna start with three different types of coins and everything else is fully digital so from your debit to like your home third parties to like cash apps and all of those people but um definitely that's one of the main things other than that it's gonna be we added smoothies juices you know we added that's how i mean you since we left bro yeah we left by your road and went into circle um i had a good opportunity to work with the culinary ambassador and we was working on the holistic culinary market. So it allowed us the chance to really dabble into other markets. So we started a um, salad bar inside of um, Circle Food Store. So we had fruit orleans and then we had swole bowl salad bar. And wow. so, yeah, when we closed down inside a circle, doing, we only closed because of Hurricane Ida. You know, we kept losing all our stuff. Okay. So Hurricane yeah. Ida was just like the, that was the bulk of it all. So we pretty much um, went back to the container under the freeway and kept going, kept serving. And that's when we ended up adding the salads to our menu instead of it being separated like it was in circle. So now we have a smoothie menu, a salad menu, a fruit bowl menu, infused waters, and now teas. So we bringing all that to one building now. And it's a herbal help stop. And I feel like that neighborhood, especially by road, needs that to, to um, be a great addition to what's already going on around there. Yeah, I mean, I love croissants, but it's not the healthiest uh, thing to have. And I, I do crave the fruit and the uh, smoothies. So I'm really happy to hear about that. That sounds great. But um, everybody who's been buying from you for, how many years have you been on the island? A long time. Oh yeah, on the island specific, about six and a half years. Wow, yeah. Nine stopped and then, once um, I think it was COVID hit, that's why we decided to go more of the brick and mortar route because um, COVID pretty much put so many restraints on our type of setup because you can't cut fruit out in the open because of COVID. You can't really have customers standing by your stand without you having a proper glass setup. So if I had, we had so many stands before I couldn't picture myself, you know, getting all of them COVID, um, you know, 
into um COVID format, if you want to say that, yeah. I didn't pitch it. So we just shut all of them down and we just started scratch um with the first brick and mortar being inside Circle Food Store. But it wasn't our full thing. We subcontracted from the um, culinary ambassador who contracted from Circle. So it's kind of like a third um third party contract situation. So mm-hmm. our our success was based off somebody else's success. And mm-hmm. that wasn't gonna get it. So now we are um, pretty much going into our own situation for the first time. Well, um I mean, again, you, you, you've, um, it's not like you're coming out of nowhere. Oh, yeah. You've been a part of that community for so long. And yeah. um, that is a community. I mean, um, yeah. there, if, if you go by their sort of close of business time when guys are getting off from work, especially people in the trades who get off a little earlier, like three, four o'clock, uh, man, everybody's there, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. playing mean, horseshoes. Yeah, playing <laughs> horseshoes. Or just hanging, just hanging, just hanging with, just, uh, with their just. own lawn furniture or, or uh, tree stumps, as the case may be. <laughs> I once, you know, I'm the one who uh, way back cut a bunch of tree stumps and put them out there. I thought that was a really cool oh, idea. I, yeah, the Mr. Park Bob's came along and, and took them away. They said, oh, no, you can't do that. And so, but now, you know, the community um, said, um, yes, we can. <laughs> yes, we can, can. And you yeah. uh, developed um you know as i say this um kind of a hangout there and um it's it's really um it's a very interesting thing because of course the history of that particular corner goes back to when before there was a, a wpa food building that is now versus i am that i am that was an indian training post so mm. uh, to me uh what you've been doing there on the island kind of continues that history do you feel uh, that way oh yes indeed yeah. yes indeed especially once i i went to digging the history up myself too as well um and they call that a triangle but if you look at it it's more like the shape of a ship oh, like if you look at it from skyview yeah, i'll yeah. be putting a drone I, I fly the drone a lot so i put it up above it i'm like dang like somebody really architected like they they detailed it real smooth so um yeah, definitely. I feel like um, that's our purpose of continuing the legacy that was, I'm gonna say, put on pause <laughs> years ago. Um, so, so definitely. Um, yeah, we love it. That's home for us. And well, the building. And Tannen is is very proud of the fact that his his um, shotgun house sculpture, uh, which you know most public art are just sculptures that you look at, but you guys turned that into a, a, a um, you might say, kind of a, a, a canvas. It, yeah, we call it the temple. You call it the temple. And yeah. but you, you've been decorating it and, and painting your yeah. own artwork on it. So it became, as I say, like a canvas. I don't know what's another word for it. Oh, that would you say the canvas. I didn't, I didn't hear yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. no, nah, it's, definitely, it's definitely a canvas. It's a community canvas. And it's, um, I feel like it's a great piece. Um, uh, it's a great addition to that community. So definitely, um, I don't know what was on Bob's mind in those days, but he saw something in the future coming. So the first time when I first met him, he said, that's why I built this thing. <laughs> and, uh, unlike, so, unlike a lot of artists who are very precious about their work, he always likes to invite people to 
um, merge with it and interpret it and do things with it. I don't know if you know about another project he did where we had a house for a little while. It was kind of my um, harebrained uh, senior moment to buy this house uh, on the on the riverfront. It was a beautiful spot, but we didn't really need to take one of his few art commissions and do that. But ultimately, he invited a lot of people to come in and paint on canvases that he um, hung on all the walls, and basically uh, called the whole piece "Art by Committee." And 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 the audience, the people coming in, or the artists. So we still have many of those murals and we've given some to schools and we are still in the process. Oh, that's nice. We have to talk about your space. Maybe we need one of those canvases in your space. I don't know. Let's do it. We're speaking out of school, as they say, but we'll see. <laughs> but um, uh, you, you obviously are inspired both spiritually and as well as um, uh, from uh, the standpoint of, of people's health. Tell me where that comes from. Uh, the health part, like right now, I'm in a, I'm inside of a hospital, so that's a great question. So I'm here visiting a family member that um we was given advice for healing herbs, natural ways, and they said it didn't work. So now here we are. <laughs> so now you know. So um I, I I have a history of losing family members due to like health illnesses. That's all food related. And I have friends of mine that then got sick and diabetics, you know, at young ages. So, um, but I also have examples of like elders who did follow herbs their whole life. And so, I, you know, my main herbalist now, he's 80 years old and he in the best health ever. So um, he introduced me to, her, to the herbal compounds that he have about the same time, about eight years ago. And since then, that's all I've been taking and I've been introducing it to my, my daughters as well. So we've been taking that and it basically helps with our memory, it helps with our energy. It helps all the way around. It's more like a tune up for your whole body. So that's what made me just started digging it even more so. And I, I haven't ate meat way before that, so a long time before that. So I'm able to see the difference in your body long, long before this new health fad started. Like, um, I was able to just let let it go cold turkey because I like how my body feel without it. And then I feel like fruit don't get that much recognition as it needs to be when fruit is really the only meal that was prescribed for humans to be eaten. So I just feel like that's um that's literally my answer to that. And how I got involved, we have we have a youth organization called Do It for the Youth. Well, we're showing them how to be entrepreneurs and we started with a watermelon. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah with a, one watermelon. Well, vitamin C, vitamin A, um, potassium, all those good things in watermelon, and as well as so many other fruits. And anytime you um you you Google what should I do about this health problem or that problem, fruit, vegetables, you know, whole grains. And um, and no and and as little meat as possible. And um, I mean, Bob Tan and the the artists that you're speaking of with the Shotgun House, he stopped eating meat about 60 years ago. So um, I, I say that I want to say about at least 50 years ago. And um, I was a not a heavy duty meat eater, but when I met him, I was still eating meat. I still sneak a hamburger about once a month. But um, I think that one of the reasons that despite his multiple sclerosis that he 
does it so well is because he gave up meat. And anytime the doctors look at his, um, you know, at his, um, his values, his um, uh, readings, um, they always say, wow, you know, you look on a great job. Yeah. <laughs> and it has to do with just what you're saying, you know, eating, eating right um, uh, all along the way. Well, I'm really excited about, uh, I think this is going to bring a whole new crowd. I mean, it kind of, you had to sort of negotiate the traffic uh, when you were uh, on the island, you had to figure out where you could park and, and not get killed by yeah. cars racing down Bayou Road because they do um, yeah. down Esplanade and Bayou Road both. Unfortunately, yeah, I'm saying our our speed limit here should be 25 miles an hour, and uh, or 20 miles an hour. I think he says uh, one of these days. Um, maybe it's true. You know, because I mean, all that all that beautiful art. You don't you don't need to be speeding down. You need to be enjoying the art. Slow down. Enjoy the community. Perfect. Exactly right. That's how I feel about it, too. Um, now, tell me about the spiritual side of you, because you do have a, a spiritual commitment as well. Yeah, um, it's more so like just following, um, like what you said, just finishing, just finishing, finishing the jobs that was set forth for humanity to thrive into a greater position, because a lot of other things came and it was distractions. So the only way to bypass the distractions now is to make sure we intentionally watch what we are building on this side of the earth. Because most people just build to be building and some people come and build intentionally. And I just feel like um, one of my main reasons is to build intentionally, no matter what it, what it is I'm doing. This just specifically happened to be fruit, which is the most spiritual thing, is like the most spiritual piece of food that we could probably deal with. So I, I make it my business to um, incorporate both the spiritual side and the um, health side as well. But as far as when we say spiritual, it's more so like um, being in tune with yourself, no matter who you is, just being in tune with yourself, in tune with your mission, in tune with your purpose just making sure that you are um, intentionally watching watching those things because a lot of people just move just to be moving and they do stuff just to be doing it and um I think that's why the world end up in chaos because if you don't intentionally watch what you what you were sent here to do I believe um you'll be doing anything <laughs> so so if, if, if you know and then most of the most of the things that's missing right now in humanity is because the the entities or the people who were sent here to do the things are probably doing something totally different that they didn't that they probably weren't interested in but got stuck doing it. Like mm -hmm. for in, for in, for um example, I have friends of mine who never had selling fruit on their mind, but they saw the success we had from it. So they're like, let me sell some some fruit. But I knew before that they was good at writing books. So now they see everybody else dropping books, dropping books, dropping books, but guess they stuck selling fruit now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, cause, cause now they, they started selling fruit and now everybody expecting to have fruit every time they see them because they, they saw something working for somebody else and then they incorporated that, it got stuck there. And now they, their main love, which was writing books is, is the most popular thing now and everybody else around them who wasn't writing books before is now writing books and they stuck selling fruit like me. <laughs> well, that's so interesting that you say that. I was not aware that there was a trend towards writing books. I mean, I watched too much political news 
on the cable channels and I see them all, they're all, oh, somebody's always written the next book about the political situation. But I, I didn't realize that there was a trend, I guess what you're saying is among younger people. Oh yeah, it's a trend, it's a trend now. Yeah. Tell, me, tell me about that. Yeah, it's a, it's a real trend. So right now with everything going digital, it's um they even have a business now where you can it's author list books so you can go pay to be the author of a book that's already wrote now because it's it's a some type of business that was created for people who want to be an author so it's like you go to this i think it's called lulu lulu.com yeah lulu.com l-u-l-u and you pretty much can buy the rights to a book that was already created because like, say if you want to start your own recipe book, the recipes that you're probably going to create was already created in somebody else's cookbook, you know, but they call it a different name. So what people are doing now is taking recipe books and changing the names of the recipe and putting out books and literally having, yeah, they have the number one best-selling book on Amazon. Yeah, I have a bunch of people now, that's what they do. And they now they're listed as authors. So it's like, it's almost like what we would call cheating. That's a little bit of a scam. <laughs> Look, that's what I said back in the days, we would call that cheating. But now it's like perfectly legal to just buy books and buy the naming rights. Kind of like what they're doing in the Supernome, you know, is they're changing the names. So now everybody, they just buy naming rights. The um, Staples Center in LA just became Crypto.com Arena. <laughs> Yeah, what? it's the crypto, the crypto.com arena. It's no longer the staple center. Wow. So so everything now is um the whole world right now is being ran by children and um what we used to call nerds. <laughs> they run the world now. So everything now is based off digital, crypto, robotics, um, science. So maybe so, it's not the metaverse, it's the nerdverse. The nerdiverse. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I'm I'm with it. I'm with it. I got to put me a fruit man inside the metaverse. <laughs> oh I, my goodness! All right. Well, let's let's see now. Um, what is the name of your new store going to be? Uh, it's Fruit Orleans. Um, yeah, Fruit we keep Orleans. it everything Fruit Orleans. But the difference with this one, right? Yep. But the difference with this one is we would have like week supply, so we had started a subscription a subscription module inside within the company. So we have people that get week supplies or month oh, supplies okay, of fruit yeah. bowls. And, and we basically like um needed a space to you to do that because they kept coming to our stands. And when they come and get their week supply bowls, it takes all the fruit away from our daily oh. stand setup. Mm -hmm. So now having this, having this space here, we can do our own, our own manufacturing and our own, big bulk stuff so that's the main thing of it so it's more like um a fruit fruit orleans wholesale center or fruit orleans um we we still thinking about the the root name of it because okay. we, we we're gonna have the healing herbs in there as well and another thing uh, another great addition we're gonna have is well folks can come and fill out their uh, fill up their alkaline water jugs so um, because we partner with an alkaline water company out in um texas and they're just gonna come in do our spouts inside there. So the whole system is gonna be ran throughout the building. And plus we also carry alkaline shower heads and water filters. Yeah, it's gonna be a full health store. So I, I already carry it right now. It's just, I, I be, you know, I don't be wanting to bring it all around and damage it. You, you, so. you, you got it, you got it going on. I mean, seriously, <laughs> this is, you got it going on. But um, give me the address and your days and hours. 
Most definitely. Um, right now we're looking to have it open at least Tuesday through Sunday. Um, shoot, the hours is gonna be nine to what? Nine to six, nine to six-ish. Um, and the address 2438 Bell Street, 2438 Bell Street. We still call it Bayou Road, but you know it's that little split. So it's Bell, um, Bell Street, um, Sweet B. <laughs> they, they, they want me to make sure I add that, yeah, because you know Leo's braid is sweet day in the corner. Yep, so we have that too. Maybe that's a brand, you know. Sweet S W E E T B E E. Hey, that's a good idea. I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have to coin that and give you the props. You may have to do your uh, honey. Call it sweet bee. Sweet bee. <laughs> that's my husband's game he plays with words like that all the time I'm yeah. not good at it as he is but <laughs> I am thrilled with your new venture um, I think the whole neighborhood is going to be so happy to welcome you and um, so now Saturday this Saturday February yeah. 5th what time will you open um, February, we starting everything at 11 o'clock um, so we're going to have music. yeah we yeah we're gonna have we're gonna have some people around there, so we actually we're not gonna present our whole menu because it's just, it's probably gonna be too busy to actually have folks surfing the menu. So what we're gonna do is like um narrow it down to like four or five options where folks can pick from on that specific day, and that way we can just have it rolling, rolling through without um having a hiccup in the line or okay. having you know having to stop. Trying to so, do too much all at once, yeah. Yeah, all at that once. That makes but, a lot of sense, Manny. You strike me as a guy who has is, uh, got your feet on the ground, um, your heart in the universe, and your head maybe someplace up in the spiritual world. And that's quite a combination. I am uh, thrilled to know you and uh, thrilled that you're there. And I know my husband has been saying, when are you going to have Manny on? So now's the time. This is the this is the this is the moment, and uh, lots and lots of luck with it. Definitely keep the fruits uh, name that I like that F R O T S. Not going anywhere. O O T. Yeah, fruit. Yep. All yep. right. Saturday, February fifth, eleven o'clock. Um, Got to be on Bayou Road, Bell Street for the new market. I'm I'm really excited. Looking forward to it. I'll see Definitely. you there. Okay. I appreciate it. Appreciate All you. Right. Peace. Okay. You take care. You as well. Best of luck. Bye-bye. This is Jean Nathan across our conversations at WBOK, what people are talking about.